0: This is the Canopy Life Podcast. My name is Evan Chasteen, and I host this podcast alongside the founder of Canopy Life, Christy Gordy. Today we have a close friend, and I would even say family member, my mother-in-law, Pam Pugh, on our episode. And I'm really excited to speak with her about generosity, living a generous life. I can say firsthand that I've witnessed Pam practice everything that she talks about today. And I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. But here's her official bio, uh, so you can take this into consideration without my, my bias opinion. Pam Pugh guides charitable organizations and strategic planning and implementation through her firm Reaching Forward LLC. She is deeply motivated by making connections in the generosity space to unleash a wealth of financial resources to further the gospel of Christ. She lives in Alpharetta, Georgia with her husband and has two daughters and four beautiful grandchildren, not to mention two incredible son-in-laws. I edited that one in there myself. Her purpose statement is expanding territory. That's where we're going to pick up with today's episode, this is a purpose statement of expanding territory, and I'm really excited for you to hear from Pam on living a generous life. Here we go. Pam, in the intro there, we, we kind of read your bio, talked about your two awesome son-in-laws, your family, what you do, and you have this purpose statement, and it is expanding territory. And I was wondering if that relates to generosity in any way. And if it does, could you kind of talk to that uh, at all to, to kind of kick us off today?
1: Yeah, yeah. So when when I think about expanding territory, I think about Uh, the desire to share with others and that others would know the joy that I personally have experienced from living a life of purposeful generosity. Notre Dame has a a research study called The Paradox of Generosity, which is a fascinating read packaged up in a book. And they talk about that when we give, instead of realizing we're going to have less because we've given, our territory actually expands. Hmm. We actually have more. I I, uh, wrote a quote down uh, that I often like to share from this research, Evan, if I can read it. Absolutely. Um, It says, no matter how it happens, the testimony of those who have shifted in their minds, spirits, and emotions from an imagined world of scarcity and insecurity to one of abundance, blessing, sufficiency, and overflow is almost always the same. It is liberating. It sets one free to appreciate and enjoy what one has rather than being burdened with the wish that one had more or to worry about losing it. Mm -hmm. This kind of personal transformation shores up the personal security grounded in believing that whatever the future holds, one will always have enough. It makes every bite more tasty, Every good more blessed, every sunset more beautiful, every embrace more warm, and every day more of a gift. So expanding territory to me means when we give, we actually receive, you know, to use St. Francis words that when we give, we actually receive. And
0: you mentioned this phrase in there as well. I don't. It sounds like you're using your words very intentionally. You've thought a lot about generosity, uh, which maybe would be helpful, actually, before we get too deep into generosity. Can you share your experience, uh, why you think so much about generosity and, and kind of your role in this generosity world?
1: Sure, sure. So I I'm a big fan of going back and looking at where words originate. Mm. You know, over time, they, they lose their saliency. And so, uh, generosity is a fun word to look back and see what the roots are. And get this generosity has in its first couple of letters G E N or G E N E, that actually means to give birth. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? And in Greek, it actually goes further to say to actually become, to make happen. And then when you look at the larger piece of that genus, that means group. So uh, I like to say generosity actually means bringing life to a community of abundance. Hmm. Bringing life. That's what we were created to do, right? In the beginning, God said, be fruitful and multiply. When we're generous, we are fruitful and we multiply, which is what we were created to do. So what's my role been in generosity? Generosity really took me by surprise. I knew about philanthropic giving, coming from a financial advisor, tax-type background. I knew the ins and outs of creating a foundation and the tax-savvy steps that you could take as given to us through the uh, IRS code. And so that was my my sole thought. And then, as I connected the dots of my past, being raised a pastor's daughter, and seeing the impact when people gave generously, and seeing the lack in their own lives when they hoarded. Um, mm. The word just kind of brought it all together for me, and then through working at the National Christian Foundation for over a decade, Uh, and working with the most generous people out there, the Lord really began to move in my heart that this was part of his call for me. And so hence my uh, purpose statement of expanding territory.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the history of that word. Uh, I as you were saying it, I, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because we use those words. We use the word gene. Uh, we learn about genus and species so that we it's just not in that context of generosity and really breaking down that word. So that's a really cool way to do it. Could you speak to your passion as it relates specifically to women and generosity?
1: Okay, well, I'm going to throw another uh, root word analysis at you here. Passion. We throw that word around so flippantly, don't we? Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about this or that, but get this, the word passion actually comes from the Latin word suffering. The first use recorded of passion was related to Christ as Mm -hmm. recorded in Latin. So passion meaning suffering, this kind of connects with second Corinthians one, three through four, that says in our day of trouble and and affliction, he comforts us so that we may comfort others. So when we think about what are we passionate about, the way to discover that is to ponder, Lord, where have you met me in my suffering? Where have you met me in my days of affliction? It's so that I can turn around and do that same thing for someone else. In other words, it it puts purpose to your hardships. And I think so many times, particularly as women, we want to put that hardship under the table. Let's don't look at it. It's too painful. So I encourage people, let's, let's take it out. Let's look at it and say, okay, God, you allowed me to go through this. What's my so that? What's my so that? How will I turn around and take what you've done in my life and go do for someone else in that same way? And thereby... I receive greater healing, greater wholeness, and I'm giving away the the essence of me, the very deepest part of me, my pain and suffering. And so, you know, when I think about my own passion, walking through life as a woman, so many times we weren't addressed by the charities that we were giving to. And that was troublesome to me. And I started asking other women about it. And they said, well, same thing. I I rarely get called upon by the charities. Now realize this is 15 years or so ago when, when I took this journey. And so that turned around a passion in me because I knew women had capacity to give. Actually today, women have access to influence over and ownership of more wealth than we ever have had in recorded history. So God is pushing the resources Into the hands of women. The question is, are we sure about what our passion is and ready to engage in that?
2: Wow, that speaks to me so much. I mean, it's so true that what the Lord has carried you through, that's what you want to pass on. It's what you're willing even to suffer for in order to make sure other people have access. So the fact that you're applying that as you walk women through generosity to help them figure out where they want to, you know where they want to, I'm sure it even helps you align them with their passions. But the fact that that's how your, your purpose around generosity evolved is so that's really beautiful. Yeah.
0: Even that phrase align with your passions now has, has new meaning to me. Cause it's like, where at, where, where have I experienced suffering? And, And that now is where those passions come from and, and taking, and this is, this is everything you were saying, Pam, taking those sufferings and as a part of your healing, helping people who are experiencing the same type of suffering. Uh, so that is where those passions come from. And it's almost as if if you're trying to figure out where you're pa- what you're passionate about, where your passion lies, look inward and, and find the things that have caused suffering in your life. And, and that may very well be where those passions lie
1: hmm That's, that's exactly right. I had a wonderful story of a lady I was working with in Indianapolis. She and her husband built a global software company and she was struggling with what am I passionate about? Where should I give? And when she shared with me uh, her past, which is, that's what I will typically say, well, tell me about your growing up.
2: Hmm.
1: Instantly, it doesn't matter whether you're talking believer or non-believer, instantly, you can see this is what you're called to do. So anyway, Mm -hmm. she shares with me that, you know, she's been giving to um, single mothers or single fathers who are struggling. Tell me about your past. Her mother had some issues and abandoned them at a gas station. She and her brother all by themselves. Mm -hmm. And so as she's telling me that, and then her dad found them, he was struggling, but raised them as best as he could. It was like the dots all connected. This, this is a hardship, a tragedy, what you had to endure, but God had a purpose for it. You weren't abandoned by him. He's allowing all of those hardships to shape and mold you as a woman now with capacity that can give into those same areas. So mm. it's so beautiful because instead of it, making God as the absent father who didn't watch out and protect us, it turns it, it flips it to its correct position, which as I think it's Michael Hyatt, he says, this is your platform. You can speak to it like no one else can because you've lived it. Hmm. And then that becomes sustainable generosity and it becomes sustainable volunteering. So you can see I'm passionate about it. Yes, yes, Love absolutely.
0: It. <laughs> so, it seems like uh, most people would agree that generosity is important. Rarely are, do you, would you come across somebody who be like, "Oh no, that's not important." And it, and it's valued individually, we would say we have the value or even societally, we we live in a a generous society, we could say that fairly easily. But do you find that most people live out of that belief? And if not, what are the obstacles they have to overcome, whether they're inner obstacles or outer obstacles to live a generous life?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the the verse we all learned as new believers for God so loved, he gave. So clearly connects love with giving. And as we grow in uh, spiritual maturity, this love continues to grow in us. And therefore it propels us to give. You you can't help but give for God so loved he gave. However, here's what I've discovered in a couple of decades of of doing this work. Even a mentor friend of mine uh, has, has said this. People have a heart to give, but they don't give because they're not sure they can and they haven't planned. Mm. They don't even realize their true capacity to give, often because we haven't taken a true inventory of what we own, of what we have to give away. You know, our, our mutual friend, Bill Williams, says, my excess is someone else's necessity. You know, I I have more than the income that's needed. That excess has purpose for it. And unless we plan to be generous, we really don't usually optimize our generosity. So I, I can't stress enough the importance of planning to be generous. My husband and I do this every year in January for MLK weekend. We get away and we uh, prayerfully make an inventory What have you given us, Lord? What what have you put in our hands? Moses' principle, right? The staff that God put in Moses' hands, and Moses was called to this enormous task. He couldn't do it. He kept trying to get out of it. And finally, God arrests him in his thinking, and he says, Moses, what is in your hand? Well, that very thing that was in his hand would be his tool to lead for the next 40 years and follow after God. So what has God placed in our hands? And that's what Stephen and I do each each January. We prayerfully say, what have you put in our hands? And now what would you want us to do with that? And it's time, talent and treasure, right? It's, it's not just the balance sheet, um, but people don't give because they're not sure they can and they don't have a plan.
2: So when it comes, uh, Pam, when it comes to people not making a plan, do you have any insight for them of how they even get started? Because if people, I hear you say the word inventory, doing a personal inventory, knowing what's what you have to give, are there tools that people can go to, or is this an internal journey that people need to take to assess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Christy. Um,
1: well, I I like to see people have a financial advisor who shares their biblical worldview. That's Mm. so important because a financial advisor can help you evaluate what you really do have available for giving and walk alongside you. Um, Another resource I like to recommend is Ron Blue's book, Splitting Heirs, sort of a play on words there. Uh, But one of the critical pieces in planning To be generous is thinking about what you want to give to the next generation. Mm. And so it's so critical for couples to get on the same page with that. And uh, again, to quote Ron, he says, Do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Probably not the best (laughs) English there, but the point being give now. Instead of waiting until death to leave an estate to uh, your children and to charity go ahead and give now, watch how your children use what you give them. So you'll know you're basically entrusting them with more based on their faithfulness with what you give them now. And same to charity, give to charity now. Of course there's tax advantages for doing that by giving now, but splitting errors is a great book for a couple to take a weekend together and has wonderful exercises in it to work through that And then finally, you know, you you can just take the simple step of writing down, very prayerfully, writing down, Lord, what have you put in my hand, Mm. and what do you want us to do with it? And then make a covenant between the spouse, the two spouses, to to do that over the next year, being generous. Plan. There's a, a research statistic, Evan, maybe you know it, that talks about how many more times likely we are to do something when we write it down. Mm. There's even a research book called Write It Down, Make It Happen. But when we write something down, it just clicks in our inner being and we are far more likely to accomplish it by doing it
0: yes and then i think to take it even further if you read it regularly after it's written down uh Mm -hmm. there's there's a big jump in in making something happen so writing it down and then reading it on a regular basis having it somewhere where it's seen often i think takes things to the next level so you're giving us some some really practical ways now let's continue moving into that practical you mentioned two things before we hit the record button this balance uh, of giving and if I want to say it was this balance between the heart and the tactical were those the two words that you used could you explain that what it what are those two things and why is it important to balance uh, the heart of giving with with the tactical aspects of giving
1: Mm yeah yeah the reality is, we have uh, in in the United States we have various uh, tax mechanisms that allow our generosity to be optimized. So, you know, appreciated asset giving, giving out of our IRA, things like that allow us to give more because we're paying less in tax. So that's tactical ways of giving. However, um, we don't give because of tax advantages. We give because our heart is prompted to do so. There's heart engagement. And so we want to connect the heart with the hands. And so as we discover what we're passionate about, we are motivated and moved to give. And so next, the question becomes, well, then how is the smartest way to give? My heart's engaged now. Let's get my hands engaged in the smartest way to do so. And the, the how of giving can be everything from the tax advantaged giving through to what organizations to give to, which, which ones are, are lean and mean. They're operating uh, well. The fundamentals are there. And that's everything from you know, reviewing who's on the board. Uh, getting to know at least one of the staff members of the charity. So you know where where you are giving and then go to their annual events or participate in something that allows you uh, sort of some hands-on. When we did a research study uh, in 2012 with Women in Generosity, we found that for those women who uh, engage in volunteering, their giving went up multiple fold they were further engaged with their heart. They were more assured of where their gift was going to. And so there's this, this heart-hand connection that you really need both to be a wise and faithful steward.
0: That uh, is really great insight. Christy, were you gonna say something there?
2: No, I was actually gonna flow to the next question cause I thought it flowed so well out of, <laughs> out of uh, what she had just said. Um, Yes. You know, continue. People do, yeah. yeah. They think often of generosity as giving money, but you're describing something really different. And I know you've come up with some really creative ways that allow people to both live and give generos- generously. Um, mm-hmm. Can you describe some ways that people can live generously that don't include cash?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So I I am a big fan
1: of investing in the next generation. Can you imagine what society would look like if every parent taught their child how to be generous? It would just be such a beautiful place to live. So um, preparing our children to be generous, model it, uh, engage them in it. It can be everything from uh, standing down at the corner for handing out a bottle of water to the mailman, to participating in Samaritan's Purse shoebox, you know get get creative, uh, engage your kids. I also like to say uh, be generous with your words. Um, we have a hurting world out there. and so making it a daily practice to be generous in what we say, staying connected with God through the day opens the door for his invitations to share a word of kindness or to, Pray for the person in front of us. I'm telling you the the most uncanny things will happen to you throughout the day. It's, it's like you're walking through this miraculousness of engaging with people on a whole new level. I, I was having a lunch with my mom and husband, a little burger joint, and uh, the waitress said something to me about my earrings. And I felt the Lord saying, give them to her. And I thought, that's weird. That's weird. Amazing. (laughs) She's not going to want my earrings. And I kept feeling it. And I went to the ladies room and who's in the ladies room, the waitress. And I thought, okay, God, I took them off and put them in her palm. And she looked up at me and I mean, the tears started flowing. And she said, I've got to go call my mother. Okay. Then as we're walking out to get in our car later, she runs out and speaks to me. And she said, this act of generosity reminded me today that the Lord sees me. And that's what I was running to tell my mother. God Mm -hmm. sees such, I mean, such a small thing, but you see that just the joy in walking through life on a daily basis where we're open to hear his, his nudgings. And so that's, that's a way to, um, to walk in that abundant community of generosity. It really pulls the community together. So to your point that I'm not alone. Hmm. I'm not alone. When, when I give, well, again, to point to the uh, research study by Notre Dame, they said there are no lone rangers in giving well. Don't you love that? it's not a solo sport. It's something we do in community and we're enriched in community. We're modeling out God's commands when we are fruitful and multiply Mm -hmm. community.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, what is, um, what is one simple way that someone can live generously as we enter this giving season? I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for earrings, but that's the, that was the Lord prompting, <laughs> prompting you. Uh, I mean, that, that, I, I don't know how you, you do much better than that example, but is there one simple way that someone can live generously as we enter this time of year? So I would just say, you know, be
1: prayerful and be bold, be prayerful and be bold, give to others what you would want for yourself. So if you're craving kindness, be kind. And guess what? You will find you're receiving kindness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? If it's hope, if you're feeling a lack of hope, start giving hope and your heart will be flooded with hope. It's in, it's in giving, we receive, right? Uh, St. Francis again. So think about what your heart craves and give that away and give it away in abundance. Also, if the word prompts you be quick to do it, he knows what he's doing. He can be trusted. And so dive in and be bold and, and do it. I think also here at the Christmas season, it's a wonderful time to, to write a note. And so maybe think about who's been generous to you and write them a note and encourage them in their generosity, that, that
2: community Mm -hmm. aspect. I don't hear people talk like this very often that the way that the heart and hand connect, as you said, it's, it's a lifestyle of generosity. I, it's what I so strongly desire for everyone in the canopy life community. And I have just very rarely had this kind of conversation with someone I'm literally holding back tears of. And in this year, after the, after the seasons that we've been through, what you're saying here at the end about. What you crave, give it away. you know, give it away generously and it and it, that's so counterintuitive. But the best way to find kindness and hope is to give it. Don't give it sparingly. Whatever it is that you need to give, hope, kindness, whatever that is you're wanting, just pour it out unapologetically and generously, man, it's it's wholehearted living.
1: I just feel so compelled that mm. generosity is the gospel. And while a lot of people have no interest in the Bible, unfortunately, life-giving words of God, they have no interest in it. Mm. But you know what? You tell a generosity story and people are drawn to it. They can't refute it because it just is like a conundrum to them. But that is, that's the gospel. You know, Bill Gates and others that give generously, they don't know that, but it's a little bit of God Mm -hmm. at creation eking out of their pores. Yeah. A little taste of it. And so mm-hmm. let's just, you know, throw the doors wide open because we, we can't, we can't out mm-hmm. what he's already given to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, open, open up the pipeline and let it, let it just gush through and we'll have a, a richer existence here and lay up treasure in heaven.
2: So it's, mm. it's the gospel. Thank you for ministering to my heart today. And I know everyone who's listening is the same. You you are most welcome. It's it's living and giving in God's image. There's nothing better
1: than that. Living what we were created for.
0: Pam, what's going on in your world that you're most excited about? Now this is your chance to share what you're working on and then how people can learn more about that.
1: Mm-hmm. So Evan, God is really unleashing an outpouring of generosity. I've never seen anything like it. Christians are giving at an unprecedented rate. And so in partnership with National Christian Foundation run Virtu Assets Foundation, and it exists to help individuals give appreciated assets. The window looks like it may be closing at some point in the future for people to give appreciated assets and take a fair market value deduction and so uh people are giving uh, as i said at unprecedented rates so virtue assets foundation is one of the places people can think about giving through so that they can optimize their charitable giving
0: again thank you so much for being on the podcast Uh, a, a true gift to the community my pleasure thank you for listening to the canopy life podcast if you are interested in optimizing your charitable giving this year to make a greater impact, reach out to Virtue Assets. That's V-E-R-T-U-Assets.org. May the Lord be with us as we learn to live and give generously with our lives and what the Lord has entrusted to us.